All right, what else should we do with City on the Edge? Oh, yeah, yeah. City on the Edge. 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 Wow. Hey, City on the Edge. City on the Edge. Little enthusiasm. Little perkiness. No, City on the Edge. Here we are back. City on the Edge. In the City on the Edge. It's been a while. Just talking about actually, maybe if you hear this, it might not actually seem like it's been a while since we are theoretically going to release another episode before this one. Yes, oh, that's right, yeah. So it hasn't been that long for you, but this is actually our first time in a, in a bit, yes, <laughs> um, seeing the familiar, yeah, beautiful faces of Ty and Mike. <laughs> I was just <laughs> removed from my cryogenic container. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds pretty good in July <laughs> in Albuquerque. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Yeah, and we've been kind of discussing what to do about about those lapses in uh, in in recording. Yeah. yeah, throwing around some ideas here mm-hmm. about stockpiling episodes and then releasing them as a season, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. not yeah. doing that. <laughs> so, but bottom line is, we're yeah. gonna get you content. Yeah, yes. we're gonna get you that sweet, sweet. Albuquerque yeah. content that you can then mm-hmm. complain about in your one-star reviews. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> we only have one of those, and do it was we? from someone who disliked our <laughs> implied politics. politics. Yeah. True, we yeah. do have politics. So. Yeah, because we're in, alive in the world. Yeah, right. it's kind of hard not to have politics <laughs> well, this, exactly. at any point, really. But yeah. right now, it seems especially hard not yeah. to. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. yeah, exactly. Maybe if yes. people weren't so attached to linear time... That's true. Yeah. We have a bunch of new episodes for you. (laughs) (laughs) Going backwards, forwards, and skipping through dimensions. If you don't like this episode's politics, just go into the next uh, the next parallel earth and you'll hear the the fascist city on the edge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Give your money to the rich. (laughs) (laughs) We should do some. Other universe episodes. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) A non canonical City on the Edge, yeah. Earth 2 version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a Flash reference. Anyone watches that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I love <laughs> <a> Flash. <laughs> I don't know. Mara got me into it. It's fun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but you know what's also fun? Uh, <laughs> El Camino Real de... Uh, what is it? El Centro... Oh, shoot. De Tierra <laughs> Sorry, Adentro. De Tierra Adentro. That's what I'm going mm-hmm. for. I don't know where El Centro came from, but it's just yeah. something, something, something to throw in when you're right. speaking Spanish. <laughs> So, so, El Camino Real de Tierra, ah, Tierra adentro. adentro, which means? Royal Road of the Interior Land. The Interior Ooh. Land, which is where we are. Yes. Cool. We're in the Interior Land. An ancient route, mm-hmm. one has, which has lent its name to many modern routes. Hmm. Yes, and also there's a ton of El Camino motels, restaurants, diners. You know, There's a car. Oh yeah. oh yeah, there's the car. Which I was thinking oh, yeah. we should do an episode on that sometime. Oh. I don't know why. That's the car truck, right? The That's car. the car truck. Yeah, the car. Was, oh, oh yeah. yeah, those are cool. I got one of my favorite <laughs> rides ever, hitchhiking. One of those took me to a weird commune. Uh, uh, that sounds yeah. like another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So interior land. Should we just kind of give some facts about the El Camino and then go into your piece there, Nora? Or do you yeah. think that you incorporate? I, I have some intro facts. Okay. So maybe you guys can, I can give the intro and you guys can fill it in. Yeah, that sounds nice. Let's do that. I also want to warn that my Spanish is really bad. So there's going to be a lot of (laughs) 
Wisconsin accented Spanish. Yeah, which well, not you know, you can't pleasant. expect a, what are you, a Canadian or something yeah. to understand Spanish. That's kind of fun. On a stretch of dusty road sits a lone historical marker. Cars rush by, glass shards and remnants of metal glitter in the parking lot where no one stops. The clouds swelling in the sharp blue sky could belong to any era. We are at one of the various El Camino Real markers that punctuate the Southwest landscape. The El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro, the Royal Road of the Interior Land, is one of those historic phenomena so large that it is nearly impossible to trace all the ways it has marked the present. The El Camino Real is, on the surface, a road, a path created to facilitate travel. But, of course, with those countless passengers, the altered land, that movement, came many effects. Conveyed upon it were material goods, customs, religion, ideas, culture, diseases, and DNA. If you look in history books, you'll find the common origin story of the road. Created in 1598 by Juan de Oñate, the Spanish colonizer, governor, dealer of brutality, who led 500 colonists to establish governance in new land. This history often doesn't tell the story of the indigenous peoples who established the trail way before Oñate for trading, or the earth who's been there all along. Also habitually overlooked are the women of the El Camino. If you want to know about the men, look it up. Go to the established government sites. See the signs posted on lonely corners of the old El Camino. Today, we're going to trace the path of a few significant women of the El Camino Real, most of them in Albuquerque. Uh, okay, so first of all, that sounds... I'm, I'm interested. I want to yeah, know yeah. about these uh, these women. And um, we do have to talk about whether it's the El Camino yes. or just El Camino, though. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Should... I think pick one or the other, either the Camino or El Camino, just because it's... So the, I've been told the, I can't say the El Camino because it's the, the Camino Road. Yeah. <laughs> right. An interesting 80s band. Johnny Marr from the Smiths was in briefly, though, though. Okay, so um, this is the route from uh, from Mexico City that terminates at um, what used to be known as San Juan Pueblo, but is now Okeowinge. Huh. Yes, up in, just north of Española, huh. I believe. So, huh. pretty much the entirety of the route in the United States goes through New Mexico, with one small bit that goes through El Paso. Huh. So this is very. Much a southwestern right. route. Interesting. And El Camino Real was the one that it roughly followed the river, right, as much as possible. Is that, right. Is that right? right? Mm-hmm. And the other one was El Jornada del, del the, Muerto. Uh, so the the Camino Real goes through Jornada del Muerto, okay. which is the journey of death. And that goes away from water, right? Right. right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's the, the most like death. brutal part of mm-hmm. the uh, of oh. the route. Want to um, go this way or the death way? <laughs> <laughs> and also the site of the world's first uh, man-made atomic explosion Whoa. was there. Uh, the Trinity site is in. How appropriate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. Um, like, let's see, uh, what else should we kind of say? Yes, yeah, so it does pass through Albuquerque yeah. and up to Santa Fe, follows mm-hmm. the approximate route of the pre-1937 hmm. um, Route 66 huh. from Albuquerque up to Santa Fe. Oh, interesting. Huh. 
Yeah, it's cool. I, it's it's something I want to know more about. I've been driving out uh, west of town a lot, and I've seen I've seen signs for it. Um, just because my kids are at a summer camp, right? So, from what I understand, basically every north south route near the river yeah. on the on the east right. side of the river, uh, Rio Grande Road, Fourth uh, Street, hmm. maybe even Twelfth Street. Hmm. Mm-hmm. These were like alternate Camino yes. Real because of the flooding Whoa. that would knock out you know, portions of the road. So there were different routes that would be taken depending on the time of year. And that's why there's not a definitive path now you can follow. Right. Because those different routes were taken in the city. Right, exactly. So there's there's some choices Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to start with Isabel de Oliveira. Because she represents the earliest period of travel, and the first woman who used the road as established by the Spanish. Isabel was many things that challenge our image of explorer of the time. She was a freed woman of African heritage who lived in Mexico and worked as a servant. Before going on the expedition to this unknown place with nebulous laws, she gave this remarkable statement to the governor of the city she lived in, Querétaro, in Mexico. In this statement, She speaks of her status as a free, unmarried, biracial woman and asks that the autonomy she has in Mexico remain unchallenged in new territory. Here is what she presented to the governor in front of three witnesses. Quote, I am going on the expedition to New Mexico and have some reason to fear that I may be annoyed by some individual since I am a mulatta and it is proper to protect my rights in such an eventuality by an affidavit showing that I am a free woman, unmarried and the legitimate daughter of Hernando, a Negro, and an Indian named Magdalena. I therefore request your grace to accept this affidavit, which shows that I am free and not bound by marriage or slavery. I request that a properly certified and signed copy be given to me in order to protect my rights and that it carry full legal authority. I demand justice. Although this record survived through the years, we don't know what happened to Isabel once she arrived in New Mexico or the circumstances of why she traveled there in the first place. Perhaps all we can do is hope that this woman who valued her personal freedom and compellingly set up protections for it found more independence in the lands to the north. Really, it, man, that just shows how complicated and interconnected every aspect of colonization is. It's, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, classmate of Morrow said colonization is a cake you can't unbake. Like everything Ooh. is connected and, yeah. and, and tied in with each other. And it's like, it's hard not to root for that person and be like, oh, I hope you do find freedom. And I know. What was the year? That was in 1600. 1600. So this was prior to the Pueblo Revolt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And yet she was part of a group that was going up and yeah. not everything right. they were doing was good and they were displacing natives. And sure. Right. Um, but it explains why we don't know anything about her because the uh, after after this, mm-hmm. because any records were would have been destroyed yeah. Yeah. Um, during the revolt. So That's must, what happened during the revolt? Well, I mean, it was a, it was a major native uprising. Right. And we should do an episode on the Pueblo Revolt sometime. Yeah, 1680. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for episode. sure. David um, Roberts' book is excellent on that, and there's a bunch of good books on it. Right. Um, but yeah, records were destroyed, churches were burned. I mean, it mm-hmm. was you know, yeah. a lot people of were killed. Yeah. yeah. If, if Hollywood wasn't racist, there'd be 20 movies about that already. I mean, right. it's such interesting. An epic, yeah. Amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, I mean, they drove everybody out. <laughs> like, yeah. 
But that's a really interesting story. She was probably named for Isabel, the Queen of Spain, right? Ferdinand and Isabella from uh, previous, right? Still, uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. so. If I mean, she got there in 1600, yeah. um, then she probably lived out her life yeah. uh, without having gone through the Pueblo revolts. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, and some wonder, because all you can do is wonder, did she go because who she served was going? Did she mm-hmm. go to seek more independence yeah. right. in yeah. a new territory? You know, what were the reasons that yeah. compelled her to go up north? She sounds like someone who knew her, her rights and like, yeah. was like, I'm, this is who I am and I, I don't want to be bothered. I mm-hmm. demand justice. Did she say that? I demand Yeah, yeah. I demand I justice. I demand justice. That's great. Okay. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. I wonder what happened to her. That would be a I really know. interesting piece of detective work to try to track that down. Probably, Probably near impossible. impossible. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Like so. Well, how many stories are like that? Right. I mean, yeah. most of them are like that. Right. We don't know what happens to people. Maybe you could find that last name or similar last names or something. Yeah. She, if she married somebody when she got here and changed her name, then if that wasn't well documented, mm. then we might never know. Yeah. Right. But, but maybe some Catholic church record somewhere. There's a lot of those mm-hmm. still surviving. Well, the thing is, from pre-revolt, it probably, yeah. that's my yeah. thought, is it probably wouldn't have unless they were able to get the yeah. records back to mm-hmm. Mexico City. It's sitting on some shelf down in Mexico somewhere. Along the El Camino Real. Yeah. Or El Camino Real. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> I think that's you great. You, doing it. you yeah. brought her back into life, you know, just yeah. by invoking her name. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Next one. Okay. So next, we travel up through the middle of Mexico, in which three quarters of the historic trail was located, passing modern-day Ciudad Juarez to enter New Mexico. In New Mexico, one could find camps or parajes every 20 miles or so serving the travelers. Some of these parajes would evolve into the cities Socorro and Albuquerque. At Tome, a small settlement 25 miles south of Albuquerque, we find one of the most infamous women to travel the El Camino, Maria Gertudis Barcelo. Maria was born in Sonora, Mexico, sometime in the early 1800s, and took El Camino at some point to end up in Tome, where she married Manuel Cisneros in 1823. She was four years older than her husband and four or five months pregnant when they said their vows in the Tome church. Maria was pregnant with twins who died in infancy. After their deaths, she moved with her husband, mother, and adopted children up north where her notoriety was cemented. Here in both the Ortiz Mountains and Santa Fe, most famously, she ran successful gambling salons. In Santa Fe, she came into contact with many Europeans and Euro-Americans, some who wrote of her with judgment. Susan Shelby McGoffin, the wife of a trader on the Santa Fe Trail, wrote of her, quote, a stately dame of a certain age, the possessor of a portion of that shrewd sense and fascinating manner necessary to allure the wayward, inexperienced youth to the hall of final ruin. Other accounts sensationalized her too calling her a prostitute, which was false, and there were contradictory descriptions of her appearance, some claiming her to be an alluring beauty and others describing her as old and toothless. As a powerful Mexican woman at the center of a thornily integrating society that prized Euro-Americans and men, Maria was the subject of much judgment and gossip. Not much is left of her own accounting, except a will and a deed, in which she left her many houses and fortune of $10,000 to her brother and sister and two adopted daughters. 
She died at 52 and with her maiden name, which she had used her whole life. She's, she sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah I'd watch yeah. that movie. And there, there's more about her and in Santa Fe hmm. and hmm. how she integrated into society there and huh. kind of was this nexus of culture huh. coming together at the time. So we could definitely do another episode on her. Oh, as what's well. her name again? It is Maria Gertudis Barcelo. Barcelo. Hmm. Okay. And we have to forgive your Spanish pronunciation because you're Canadian. So I'm Wisconsinite. <laughs> Very close, though. And yes, I apologize. <laughs> I have that Susan Shelby McGoffin. McGoffin book. I got to read that. that yeah, on that the Santa Fe Trail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was very, you know, the puritanical yeah. kind of. Right, right. And also the, oh, how could a Mexican be equal right. to huh. a white yeah. Everyone here eats dirt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know what she would have said. But uh, <laughs> but her, her old house is now where the Lenzik in Santa Fe is. No way. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I've seen some cool yeah, shows. But not a prostitute. Not a prostitute. Okay, that's a typical slandered. That's yeah. That's that goes back to Mary Magdalene. You know, like oh, I don't like this person. Let's anyone, any yeah, a powerful woman, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) kind of outside the right strictures of Mm -hmm. society. Right. But she traveled up that old Camino from Tome. Yeah. You know, to Santa Fe. That's interesting that the camp is called per, per, uh, the camps were called parajes. That mm-hmm. I, I looked that word up recently because I was driving out west and there's a little community still called Paraje. Oh, oh really? Yeah, that between here and and um, uh, the Gallup area. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how man. So interesting. Yeah, the more you know this stuff, it's. I was reading uh, Elisa Gabbert, the essayist, has this thing called open mode where she says when she's writing something, like she gets into this mode where everything becomes relevant to it. I feel like when you get into the topic of history and you live here, it it becomes like this huge connected mythology. Everywhere you go, you're like, oh, and here's another thing that's related to that. It's kind of fun. Only 18 miles away is our next stop, the home of Juliana Gutierrez y Chavez Hubble a matriarch of an extensive family that yielded much influence over the developing West. Juliana, or Juliana herself, was the daughter of New Mexico territorial governor Francisco Javier Chavez and was 14 years old when she met her future husband, James Hubble, a Connecticut officer in charge of the Santa Fe Trail. Their arranged marriage took place when she was 16 and she went on to have 12 children with James many of whom became famous and infamous in their own right, like their son, Juan Lorenzo Hubble, an influential trader in Arizona. Juliana and James had a famous home in the South Valley on the El Camino Real. At its largest, the home had 130 acres of land with a 16-room adobe house, a store and a garage, a smaller three-room house, 20 acres of orchard, 59 acres of alfalfa, and 42 acres of pasture. In 1868, it was remarked that, quote, Captain Santiago Hubble has finished there one of the largest, most convenient, and comfortable homes for residents that we know of in New Mexico. It was a major hub of community and trading on El Camino Real, and Juliana was often called Tia or Auntie, and Julianita, little mom, of the community. Among many things given out 
at the Gutierrez Hubble House were immunizations for all members of the community, Hispanic, Anglo, and Native. And you can still visit the uh, the Gutierrez Hubble House today? Yeah, this one is a major historic site, a preserved historic site that I have never been to. It's have really you guys? Cool. Oh, what's it's, it like? Yeah, tell uh, us about it, Mike. It's well preserved. It's uh, I went to the wedding of Brett Baker and Lori, what's her last name? I forget, but they're awesome. And uh, they um, they got married there underneath a bunch of cottonwoods. I mean, it's it's just really beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful, you know, old adobe complex and yeah. um there's cottonwoods growing all around it a, a, a number of rooms seem preserved and have museum type things in it cool and uh yeah it's just it's just a really cool site in the south valley mm-hmm. um that i'm glad is still around i actually applied for a job to be a guide there like a historical uh, oh you'd be good at person that. that talked about it and was quickly rejected uh-huh. i don't know Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like you can uh, you can visit yeah. it at six zero two nine Isleta Boulevard Southwest, or you can go to the Gutierrez Hubble House dot org website to find out more about this place. These are great stories. You could do yeah. a book of like uh, women of the Camino Real oh, yeah. or of uh, New Mexico history or something like that. It'd be mm-hmm. really interesting to read a collection yeah. of these profiles. Um, and. Uh, and they're and these are neglected stories too. You always hear about like right. a handful of dominant men that mm-hmm. you know move things forward or something. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why I got interested in the yeah. stories of the woman. This is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, so we're gonna end with a group of women, hmm. nameless women, but there's no record of their names. So hmm. we're gonna go up north now. We travel through what is now the city of Albuquerque, close by the Rio Grande, the river full and lively. On the west bank of the Rio, a village sits intimately close to the water. The sandia is laid out before it. Here is the pre-contact society of Kuawa, settled in the 1300s by the Tiwesh. Kuawa, a Tiwesh word for evergreen, was part of a system of Tiwesh pueblos along the Rio Grande which Coronado first encountered in 1540. It is believed that Coronado spent an unusually harsh winter in the Pueblos, where the residents supplied the Spanish with different supplies under threat of force. When Coronado was still unsuccessful in discovering his longed-for gold and in taking over control of the Pueblos, he left the area. But his presence marked the beginning of dramatic, often violent change for the village of Kuawa and all the other pueblos. Oñate came next in 1598, along with exploitation and diseases. Kuawa was completely abandoned after the Pueblo Revolt of 1680. After nearly intact remains of the community were discovered under layers of earth in the 1930s, Understanding of life in the village has evolved with new research and insight. Although much remains unknown, we do know that Kuawa was a matrilineal and matrilocal society, meaning lineage was traced through the women's lines and husbands went to live with their wife and her family to be associated with her clan. The equitable gender division seen in Pueblo societies confused the Spanish upon contact. We don't know the Pueblo woman's names, really even their individual stories, but their legacy is as important as any on the El Camino Real. Right, so you said uh, you said Tiwesh, and I want to just yes. make a quick note about why on this podcast we say Tiwesh, mm-hmm. when um, 
probably most people around say T Way. Yeah. Like T Way Park. Yeah. It's when the word is T I G U E X. Uh, and we're following the lead of of uh, historian Dennis Herrick, who wrote uh, War of the Metal People and mm. uh, has written extensively about the province. So here's what he has to say. Uh, the T. West province extended from Isleta Pueblo in the south to at least Coahuila Pueblo, uh, Coronado State Monument in the north on both sides of the Rio Grande, in the area now containing or bordering the cities of Albuquerque, Corrales, Rio Rancho, Bernalillo, and Placidas. Tiwesh is pronounced as T-Wesh because the Spanish G is pronounced as an English W. Thus, older references refer to the Tiwa Indians, although modern references usually prefer the English phonetic spelling of T-I-W-A. Adolf Bandelier provided a further explanation saying, as for the word Tiwesh, the Tiwas call themselves Tiwan, but a woman of Zleta in my presence plainly pronounced the plural of that name as Tiwesh. X in old Spanish records of Mexico has the sh sound. Final, um, yeah. So that's that's where we are taking that lead. Um, but the people are the Tiwa people. Uh, that's what we refer to today. But when we're talking about the Tiwesh province, we go with the T-Wesh. older pronunciation. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. my thought on the subject. Yeah. And And this particular village, right, is a village within... Um, the Tiwesh, the Tiwa people. Right. And so it's a number, it's one of a number along the Rio Grande. Right. Um, and prior to Spanish colonization, mm-hmm. the area of Albuquerque had, you know, like a, a dozen or so different mm-hmm. villages that were part of this oh, at least, complex. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And this um, one is thought to be the largest. Mm-hmm. It is so wrong that it's named after Coronado. I know, yeah. I can't believe it. That should... I mean, honestly, I really think we should change our name back to a pre-Albuquerque name like Tigway or Tiwesh or something and because we could say since 2000 BCE. Right. You know? And Kua <laughs> that, could that, be... Uh, the city has been here since then. Yeah. Could be yeah, our in real some form or other, it certainly has been. Make a lot of business and for the economy, you know, like uh, making new signs and everything. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're the oldest continually inhabited urban spot in north america basically is like that we're, true yeah we're in if you can read about that in uh vb price's books uh city at the end of, uh, city at the end of the world right oh, wow and um it's i mean wh- why would we not capitalize on that we're letting santa fe brag about being 100 years older than us no we're way older we're <laughs> like you know we we got it but uh yeah that, that kawa is profound that's every time i'm out there it's just like wow this place right. is so old and yeah. and you know mm-hmm. this stuff has been happening here for so long but uh, yeah, there's so many unsung people. I mean, I was right. thinking also as you were talking about uh, the, the people of Kuwa K- K- or however. How do, you, how do you say it? Kuwa. Kuwa. That's how you say it. Um, I was thinking about the women of Akama, who like so when Onyate went through there in 1598, he you know as as uh, punishment for what was it? Uh, the the murder, the killing of someone that he cared about or something. For resisting, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had the the right foot of every uh, man and boy in the uh, Pueblo cut off. Like, what about... That must have placed... And many of them put into slavery. But that must have placed a tremendous burden on the women. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they were the only people that could do anything, you know, mm-hmm. with the usual ease. You know, like, a, a whole village, oh, every wow, man there yeah. handicapped, you know, that... Right, just totally disrupting. Yeah. I mean, let alone the violence and trauma, yeah. but... Yeah. Changing the whole system of oh. 
I how know. they worked and yeah. yeah that would be a fascinating like ethnography if you could you know drop yeah. back into that time and see how that community adapted to that afterward that's I mean fascinating and, and horrible isn't but, it kind of terrible that it would uh, still be surprising if we came along a matrilineal society you know we would still be like, what? The man <laughs> takes the woman's name? Well, the, and what's wrong with them? Yeah. <laughs> the Navajo, the Navajo people still do that. They do. Yeah, in like in I I stayed in the little town of Natsizan on Navajo Mountain in in Arizona, and um, and yeah, they, they I stayed with the family that told me that they still were in the matrilineal system, cool. and. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it is like yeah, that would still be that would be like a bold progressive approach today right (laughs) and and it was being done way before Mm -hmm. you know shows that patriarchy is maybe a not as timeless as people think you know like it it was something imposed right but um man this is great stuff Nora I really enjoyed hearing hearing all this and I would Uh, like to bring up that there is a uh there is a um El Camino interpretive center or interpretive trail in uh Martinez Park Martinez Town Park on uh, Edith, and right about McKnight, south of McKnight, mm. if you take Edith down south from uh, um, from the highway, mm. uh, Martinez Town Park is on the right, and uh, there is there's some information about the trail, mm. and uh, cool. Edith was one of those alternate routes of the uh, wow. El Camino. So, right, you can, in theory, follow the route the road right you could more or less yeah i mean some parts of it are going to be rough like between albuquerque and santa fe uh i believe that it follows the river which goes through some rougher parts you know uh and certainly isn't maintained Mm -hmm. you know uh like like old route 66 right um would go up la bajada on the switchback trail uh that i'm not sure if that's connection to el camino real but Mm -hmm. um I believe it's at least closer to the yeah. original route. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Wow. And That's... and El Camino Real fell out of use because of railroads and hmm. modernization and right. right I know. mean, certainly the original route did. Right. Right. Yeah. You could probably argue that if you take twenty five, <laughs> that that was um, the, up to Santa near... Fe and then what two eighty five up to Española, mm-hmm. uh, then that would. Probably a reasonable approximation, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least driving wise. Yeah. You won't need a four by four. There are markers off of I twenty five, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. There's a really cool book called Roadside New Mexico and it takes all of the historical roadside plaques and expands them. Oh cool. It's a, it's a neat book. I used to have that and I think I gave it away. Um but uh <laughs> but it but it's it's very useful because you can't always stop to see those things mm-hmm. and then if you Right you can get home and look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you know, that's, man, it's just amazing that we live in this place where all this stuff happened and it's still so evident. You drive, mm-hmm. it, like, just, you know, if you just know what to look for, it's just all right. around, all these evidences of these ancient things. You know, it's pretty cool. It so. makes it makes us a neat place to live, I think. So head over to yeah. the Gutierrez Hubble House yeah. mm-hmm. and drive mm-hmm. up uh, uh, up to the um, Martinez Town Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know, head towards Santa Fe or something. Oh, but. the Coronado Historic Site, which is horribly named, but where yeah. Coahuila oh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is exactly. a great place to visit. Right, absolutely. And that's it really up is. In, it's um, profound. Bernalillo. Yeah, Bernalillo. Yeah. I'm not 
it's close to the Santa Ana Stark yes. Casino mm-hmm. Center. So I had a really weird experience at Kuwawa one time. I was out there, and I think I was I had not been drinking enough water, and that this was a hallucination. But like, I swear, I just saw this man run by, and he was wearing like, uh, he had like a, a like a coarse linen Spanish shirt on, <laughs> and he but like a loincloth, and I think he looked like like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. It was weird. And then I like blinked and it was gone. And I went to my car and drank a lot of water. And, <laughs> but, but it was just like, it, it's one of those places where like time just feels porous. It just feels mm-hmm. like you could, you could so easily you picture another time when you're Slip into the Spanish occupation of Koala it for was, a moment. And. But it, it just seemed like one of those weird things that like would have existed in time where you would, you would have seen like, you know, a native person wearing. Uh, an article of Spanish clothing or something like that. You would, you know, and it yeah. just, it felt so believable that in my car afterward, I was like, did I see through time? Well, maybe, maybe no, head to Kuala. Yeah. <laughs> see through time. <laughs> I think that's this whole state though. I think if you have the right mindset when you're driving around, mm-hmm. you can just kind of Sounds like right. let, let everything go. And totally. See these things that have happened before. Um, but, uh, not in some supernatural way, but just in a, you know, being Where open to it. Yeah. Anyway, great stuff, Nora. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for really good. going on this journey with yeah. me. Yeah. I think we'll be returning to El Camino Real in, in I, some capacity, I no doubt. I don't yeah. see how we could possibly avoid it. Right. Um, but I, I, I appreciate the uh, looking at it from a, a different perspective than, you know, as you say, the government uh, websites might right. have <laughs> might promote. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, excellent stuff. Okay, well, let's do another episode sometime. Let's do it, yeah. Yeah, okay. this yeah. was fun. City on the edge. City on the edge. City on the edge.